Today's episode of Jimmy Podcast Roll may contain explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up? Before we get started with today's program, I want to take a few seconds to talk about my website, social media accounts, and podcasting platform. The website, jimmypodcastworld.com, that is jimmypodcastworld.com. On the Jimmy Podcast World website, you will be able to find links to all my social media accounts and podcasting platforms. On the homepage, you will be able to find a direct feed to my Twitter account. You will find an interactive photo gallery with all my recent guests on the podcast. You will find a blog that is updated frequently. Are you also scrolling through social media right now and trying to figure out if I'm on that platform? Chances are you are on some form of social media. Check this out. You can find me at Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch TV. That's right, baby. We're on Twitch. All those platforms at Jimmy Podcast World. At Jimmy Podcast World. Are you more of a visual episode person? YouTube has some of my full episodes, short clips, skits, and my newly released Jimmy Podcast World ad. For Twitter and Snapchat, you can find me at Jimmy Pod World. Want to listen to the podcast? The website has the links to all the major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Are you loyal to the Joe Rogan experience and making the move exclusively to Spotify just like he did? Well, now you have the best of both worlds because not only are we on all the other platforms mentioned, but we're also on Spotify. So looking for to support the program? It is easy as liking and subscribing to all the podcasting platforms and all the social media platforms where you can find me. Are you still looking for more ways to support? Believe me, we appreciate it if you do. You can also share the podcast on all platforms and social media accounts as well. And for those of down since day oneers out there, you can show off by visiting the merchandise page, hats, shirts, stickers, and more. And one last way, are you already on Amazon? And if so, you should be using Amazon Prime. How does that support the Jimmy Podcast world? If you go to our website, at the top of the website, there is an Amazon banner. Click on that banner. And before you continue shopping on Amazon.com, make sure to save that link and bookmark it to your web browser. Every purchase you make through our link from our website that you save to your web browser has Amazon throw back a couple of pennies our way. Lastly, any feedback or ideas you think you could be a guest on the show, please email jpw at jimmypodcastworld.com. jpw at jimmypodcastworld.com. As always, thank you for your love and support and feedback. And now on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest on the program is uh, Maria. And Maria is a um, immigration consultant for license uh, by the state of California. Uh, really quick, uh, she'll have a disclaimer as we get on, but um, this is purely conversational, informational. Uh, it's a very, it's an educational uh, podcast, if you will, today. And um, it shouldn't be taken as legal advice. Uh, if you need legal advice, you should seek someone out um, for that legal advice. Uh, today is purely uh, just a conversation around the topic of immigration. Um, I had a really great time. I think we neared two hours, if not just past it. Um, and we could have gone for three, four more hours. Um, but um, we'll continue that down the road. I feel like uh, since that podcast, I've replayed a lot of the conversation in my mind. And I feel like I have more questions now. Um, it, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about the difficulties around uh, immigration. Um, and um, I did enjoy the conversation um, in terms of the information given and the dialogue that was had. Um, I hope, and I actually, I know you will, uh, this, this topic is, is forever present, uh, in our lives. 
in this country. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is Maria on the topic of immigration today on Jimmy Podcast World. Give me sports. Give me tacos. Give me the world. The Jimmy Podcast World. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want uh, to welcome to the program uh, Maria. And uh, Maria, thank you for being on today. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm glad to be here. Uh, super excited to have you on. Um, uh, I uh, cannot wait to talk about um, our topic for today. Uh, before I get started, I want to say that uh, Maria is an immigration consultant licensed with the state of California. Um, I, before we go any further... Uh, she does have a legal disclaimer. I want to go ahead and give her the opportunity to do that. And then we could continue on with our conversation. Yes. Uh, nothing that is said during this program is to be considered legal advice because I'm not allowed to give legal advice. So please do not <laughs> think this is legal advice. Cool, right on. Yeah, definitely uh, don't take this as legal advice. Uh, not a lot that is said on this podcast should be taken as a gospel. It's pretty much conversation um, and um, uh, just kind of having a good time. And um, today, though, um, while I am excited to to do this, uh, it's a very serious topic, uh, one that um, um, I think directly impacts uh, either uh, directly impacts all of us either directly or indirectly. We we've either uh, have gone through this, know people that have, um, and um, uh, I I know that with your knowledge and background, um, I'm gonna learn a little bit something today, and I hope everyone else does too. Um, so, uh, immigration consultant and being licensed by the state of California, can you can we just start there? And can you tell me? What it is that that necessarily, what does that mean exactly? So the short answer is I'm like a paralegal. Um, the detailed answer is I am allowed to uh, prepare immigration documents under the direction of the person that I am helping. Mm -hmm. I specifically cannot give legal advice. I cannot represent anybody in court, but uh, interestingly enough, a lot of immigration is actually just uh, paperwork, mm -hmm. so I can help and translate what that means from federal uh, English to common English or Spanish with the cases with people that I help that don't speak English. Mm. And... If I if I can start um, where I would like to start is um, there was something that because we, we've been talking off and on for for quite a while now as far as like um, as far as coming on the podcast and and just discussing various things uh, one of the things that stuck out to me that that I want to immediately get into is um, you had talked about there is a difference between legal and illegal entry. Uh, also, the difference between legal and illegal presence. Um, I want to start there because that definitely stuck out to me. Uh, that was something that I was like, okay, um, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe know the difference um, just in general and then also in, in, in detail. So, could we start there with that? Yeah. 
Uh, sure. So um, most people in the United States have a passport. And <laughs> we're going to start there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, before COVID, um, the, one, the U.S. passport was one of the most powerful passports in the world. Um, I think I remember reading that it was top 10. Mm. And what that meant is that we had a visa, wa- visa waiver program with a bunch of other countries. And what that means is if you have a U.S. passport and you want to go to Canada, Mexico, Australia, Europe, the Caribbean, a bunch of these other countries, you don't need to apply for a visa. You buy your plane ticket, you show up, they stamp your passport, and you're in. That's awesome. Hmm. Um, So an example with uh, the countries we don't have that program with is Russia and Brazil. You actually have to go through a whole process through their consulate to get what's called the visa, which allows you to enter the country. Mm-hmm. Now, being from the United States, we get to go to all these places, and it's super easy for us. But all these people in these other countries don't have that that same um, option. They have to actually apply for a visa to come into the United States. So people from Canada don't. They can come in and they just use their passport. And for them, that's a uh, that's a legal entry into the United States. Uh, if you're from Mexico, you have to get either uh, a visa or you can actually apply for what's called a, a border crossing card mm-hmm. if you live near the border and you're going back and forth a lot. And you have to apply for one of those and actually have it granted, and then you're allowed to come into the United States. So there's a whole extra step that involves additional fines, additional time. Um, Depending on different countries, you have to go to the local U.S. consulate to apply for this paperwork and get it done. And in these other countries, it's it's a lot of work. and, and sometimes in countries such as uh, Guatemala, um, they just won't give you the visa. Um, and it's based on how dark your skin is. Wow. Um, the, darker, the darker you are, the less likely you are to get a visa to come to the United States. Even though your application is 100% exactly the same as somebody else's. So... There's there's all sorts of political, social, um, racial, um, sometimes logistical. Like if the U.S. consulate is three hours away by bus, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it takes a lot to get there. So, so the whole process for some people in these other countries is really hard. And, and that's where you, you come into where a lot of people just um, – get into the United States um, without using their passport, either because they, they don't use it since they don't have a visa or um, without a passport at all. And when you enter the United States that way, that's called an illegal entry mm-hmm. because you were not uh, officially granted permission through um, Customs and Border Patrol to enter the United States. So those are the differences between... Uh, the illegal and the legal entry. Now, now when you go into presence, when when it's illegal or legal, that has to do with your actual time in the United States. So, 
we're going to go back to our friend who came here from Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, they use their passport. They have a they have a entry. Well, when you use your passport, you're here as a B, usually B2, if I remember correctly, um, which is a visitor. And when you're here as a visitor, you're only allowed to be here for six months. Mm-hmm. Well, if you stay past your six months, you're actually, under normal circumstances, um, with immigration, oh, side note, with immigration, there's a whole bunch of exceptions, a whole bunch of uh, loopholes and definitions that kind of change things around. So <laughs> <laughs> under normal circumstances, after uh, six months, you start to accrue what's called illegal presence because you're no longer here as a tourist from your mm-hmm. tourist visa. So even though you came in the country legally, you're you're now your presence in the United States is illegal because you're past that that six month period. Yeah. Um, somebody who let's go back to somebody from Mexico who entered in without any papers. Um, they have an illegal entry. Yes, um, if they have. No, here's where you get a whole bunch of different options. Um, if they just enter and they never do anything, they start to occur illegal presence. Mm-hmm. If this person from DACA, um, sorry, if this person from Mexico um, is able to apply for the DACA program, then they're now um, a DACA recipient and their presence is actually deferred, which means they don't have, they actually have legal presence in the United States. It's not illegal presence and it's not counted against them. Um, at the same time, somebody coming from Mexico um, gets to the border and at the border they claim asylum or they're inside the United States and they claim asylum. They're now an asylum applicant. So their presence is no longer an illegal presence because they're a member of these um, various immigration programs. So there's, I don't know, over 10 different programs. Um, other people might have heard of TPS or TPS, um, U visas, um, T visas, uh, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different visas that you can apply for under different programs, uh, different deferred action programs. All changes what under normal circumstances would be illegal presence to legal presence. And so that doesn't count against you. Mm. And that can make a huge difference in immigration um, based on what your options are for your specific circumstances. You mentioned um, there are some countries where uh, we can just walk in there with our passport, but um they cannot do the same. Was that correct? Was that what you said earlier? Yeah. Um, do you know, I don't know if you might know the reason why, but is it political pressure? Like what is it that allows us to, to have that advantage to go to their country and just be like, yo, I'm here and here's my visa or here's my uh, passport. Thanks. And um, we don't allow that same country that's allowed us that entry. We don't allow them to do that. Uh, coming into the states is it political pressure is are they looking to play nice with the united states and be on their good side like what is that um well it's a lot of reasons um 
sometimes it's based on different treaties. Um, what was it? NAFTA, I think, is the, the main reason why we have that ability between us and Canada, and it's reciprocated. Mm. Other times it is political. Um, for example, um, in California, a lot of immigrants come from Mexico because it's the country that directly borders the south of us. Mm. Um, and there happens to be a historical stereotype that goes to even before the Zoot Suit riots mm-hmm. of um, uh, people uh, from Mexico that, that come here looking for, for better jobs, opportunities, um, just a, a change of life, pursuing the American dream, whatever, uh, the percentage ends up being higher. And some political parties feel that that needs to be controlled and monitored so they can't just let everybody in. Yeah. They actually have to limit the amount of people from a country that are allowed into the United States. Mm. And it's not just Mexico. It's it's a lot of countries that um, that are in uh, Africa, Asia, and um, South America, as well as uh, between South America and Mexico. I have kind of kind of a loaded. A loaded question. There's a lot of parts to it, um, and we can um, break that down and visit each part individually if need be. But um, I want to kind of put the scenario uh, in front of you and then um, ask these questions, and then you kind of let me know what your thoughts are and 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 um, how this plays out. Say I um, say I'm in Mexico um, because my family's from there. Um, uh, I am of Mexican descent, so I will use that as as where I'm coming from. Um, I'm currently somewhere in Mexico and um, I've made the decision or I have it in my mind that the United States is where I want to be. What is my easiest path in? Um, Do I claim asylum at the border? Is that easier? Do I try to somehow, you know, do I get a, a, um, I believe you said it was like a visitor's visa or like a traveling or like a something like that. Visa. Yeah. yeah. Um, do I do one of those and then just stay? Um, uh, do I somehow look to apply for the DACA program? Um, if I want to cross in and, and come to California that I've heard California is, is the state. That's where I need to be. That's where I'm going to make a better life for myself and, and, and future generations that come after me. What is what is my easiest option in? Not that any are easy, but which one is the easiest one? Or do I just do what my mom did and cross the border and hope no one sees me? <laughs> um, she's well, le- she's uh, legal now, by the way, and she's a U.S. citizen. I want to point that out. Uh, this is <laughs> ages ago. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always curious as to what the easiest path of least resistance is for me to get here. I'm a big fan of path of least resistance. So which one do you, should, is the easiest for me to get in and stay? Okay. Uh, well, the short answer is it depends. Mm-hmm. It also depends on what your definition of easy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it also depends on what the laws are today. 
because the laws today are a whole lot different than they were when your mom came into the United States, mm-hmm. whatever that was. So, like late seventies, <laughs> uh, I think, like like late seventies, early eighties, somewhere on there. Oh yeah, compared compared to today, to today, the whole process was not cheaper, it was shorter, and it was definitely easier by by any definition of easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to use we're going to use what what immigration says you can do today. Yeah. Um, so uh, first thing is, um, and I'm going to throw in. I believe you said as a visitor, DACA, and asylum. I'm also going to throw in as a family member, which is something you didn't mention, just mm-hmm. to kind of throw in something that, that we see a lot in California. Mm. Um, so as a visitor, um, this also depends on what state in Mexico you're from. Say mm. you're from um, Jalisco. Yes. And you're either from Guadalajara or around Guadalajara. Um, it's pretty easy for you to go to the consulate, the U.S. consulate, and apply for a tourist visa as long as you have as long as you're reasonably educated and you have a pretty good job, it doesn't take before COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't take a long time, um, and it just takes the standard um, U.S. Uh, fees to get a visitor visa to come to the United States. Um, and then at that point, you just buy a plane ticket. But if you're from like Michoacan or Oaxaca or uh, I don't know some some other state where usually the states in southern Mexico are um, as well to get to the U.S. consulate, uh, it's a lot further away. Mm-hmm. That's where we go back to talking about those three-hour or more bus rides. Um, yeah. I, I helped somebody who had to take a five-hour bus ride Wow, just to get to the local consulate um, for a visitor visa. So <laughs> um, in that case, it's, it's not as easy. And some of the U.S. consulates in the other states, they don't all run the same. So they're going to ask you different questions. They're going to have different requirements. Even though um, the Department of State, which runs the ability to get a U.S. visa, Mm -hmm. has the same um, questions usually (laughs) with every every different country. Um, The people in the consulate will actually run things differently. Hmm. So... um, you know, someone, like I said, someone from uh, high school is going to have a lot easier ability to get that visitor visa than someone from Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once you get that, all you do is you buy, you buy a plane ticket and you're now inside the United States. Um, but that opens up a whole other box of words. What to do when you're, what to do when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other, the other, I believe the, the next thing is one that, uh, that I'm going to throw in there is a family member. Mm-hmm. So say you have, say, um, your mom has left a sister in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to throw that out there. Um, your aunt now decides she wants to come to the United States mm-hmm. for whatever reason. She can't get a visitor uh, visa. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's too far. She's older now. It's hard for her to make a trip. She doesn't. She doesn't want just a visitor visa. She wants to come here. Whatever. So, 
that's where we have what immigration calls as a family petition. Mm-hmm. And as, um, as, as long as your mom is a U.S. citizen, she can file that for her parents. She can file it for her brothers and sisters. She can file it for her children. Hmm. She can't file for grandparents. She can't file for uncles and aunts or nieces and nephews or great-grandchildren. Hmm. So just, just those direct relatives. And um, if your mom was just a resident, she could only file for her, I'm sorry, husband and wife too. Um, if your mom was just a resident, she would file for um, her kids and her husband or wife, you know, whatever, you yeah. know, your spouse. So we're going to say she's a citizen just to, for this example. And she's applying for your aunt. Yeah. So what she has to do is first she has to file for the petition. And what these family petitions do is it proves to immigration that according to their rules and regulations, you have a reason to help this person enter the United States. And depending on that relationship changes what they need. Um, Once the petition has been approved, it now goes to a different part of immigration where they actually have to do an appointment um, because in this example, we're doing your aunt, she would have to go to the consulate in Ciudad Juarez. Mm -hmm. Um, And there she she would have to be there um, for three days of stuff with immigration. Day one would be um, the doctor appointment. And day two would be fingerprints and photos at the U.S. consulate, mm-hmm. and day three would actually be her interview, and that's where they verify she is who she is, all these documents are real, and they give her, and with this family petition, she's actually getting um, a, a resident visa to enter the United States, so she wouldn't be entering as a tourist, she'd be entering as a resident. Of the United States, mm. and this process can vary um, depending on your relationship. Uh, if you're doing it for minor children or a husband or wife, it can take one to two years under pre-COVID conditions. Um, if your mom is doing this for her aunt because your aunt's in Mexico. I believe right now it's about 22 years. Wow. So that, that whole process, um, a lot of people also call this chain migration. Is something you might have heard in the news. Yeah, yeah I've heard that. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I've heard, uh, I heard Trump talk about uh, wanting to end that. Wanting to end, like, was it chain uh, migration I think he had mentioned? Yes. So, um and he, he likes to phrase it as um, Joe applies for his wife. Mm-hmm. And his wife is now applying for her brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And the brothers and sisters are now applying for their children. And just like that, everybody's in the country. Well, mm-hmm. Joe applying for his wife is going to take about two years 
mm-hmm. if everything goes easy. Mm-hmm. And then she's not going to be able to apply for her parents until she gets her citizenship, which could be, again, if everything goes fast and easy, another one to two years. Mm. And then if the if she applies for her brothers and sisters from Mexico, that takes 22 years. Wow. So we're already at like, what, 24, 26 years? Yeah. And we, we haven't even gotten to, to Joe's nieces and nephews yet. Yeah. So this, this whole idea of, of chain migration is it's not fast and easy. And even when it is, we're still putting the time frame in years. Yeah. Of course, there is an exception to this. Um, you can actually have a congressional member um, write your ability to receive residency in a bill. Hmm. <laughs> and if that bill is passed through Congress, you can get your residency that way. Wow. Um, so, so that is an example of where things could be fast, but realistically, not many people are going to have that done because all of Congress has to pass that bill. Yeah. Um, so what's a family member one? Um, DACA. So if you're in Mexico, you can't apply for DACA. To apply for DACA, you have to be inside the United States and you have had to have made your entrance before you turned uh, I can't remember if it's 16 or 18 right now but before you turn 16 or 18 and your entrance has to be before June 15th 2000 and I want to say six <laughs> I'm sorry it's the end of the day I'm a little tired Right, but I think that's it. So today, um, so uh, sorry, so today, I if I wanted to apply for DACA today, uh, I came here uh, two years ago. I don't know, I'm making up whatever, but basically, what I'm asking is, I cannot apply for DACA today. Yes, that's correct for two reasons. One, you don't meet the criteria of someone who's able to apply for DACA for the first time. And two, Trump actually got rid of the ability to apply for DACA for the first time. Wait, could you say the last part again? Trump got, President Trump got rid of the ability for people to apply for DACA. Wow. Okay. So there, there are differences. Um, I, well, I guess uh, the first thing I'll ask, so, so anyone that's already here uh, through DACA, they are, have the opportunity to reapply again, correct? It's just anyone that would like to apply for it for the first time. Um, today, <laughs> uh, you are allowed to read what's called renewing it. And as of, I believe, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. the Department of uh, Immigration actually changed your renewal um, time span from two years to one year. So you are allowed to renew today. Um, at the beginning of Trump's presidency, they actually got rid of it. And then everybody kind of said, hold your rules. That's not okay. A whole bunch of lawsuits got filed. 
um, different judges passed emergency injunctions, and they said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. So the Trump administration said, okay, 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 we'll take a step back. Yeah. You guys are allowed to keep renewing, but we're not taking any new, brand new people. Oh, and you can't do travel summons either. Mm. And then they took that back again, and they actually started allowing travel permits again based on what um, Pompeo, not Pompeo, uh, the dude in charge of Homeland Security wrote in his memorandum two days ago on Monday. <laughs> so mm. when it comes to DACA and the Trump presidency, things have a tendency to change on the fly with almost little notice. And it's buried in the immigration website mm -hmm. where you're looking for small blue links for like five pages in. Maybe three. Wow. Um, so anybody who's... So back to your, your original thing, because I do believe you want to touch a bit more on DACA later. Um, if you're in Mexico, you can't apply for DACA um, because you don't meet the criteria and because Trump got rid of it. Uh, let's see. I look at my note. Yeah, you mentioned asylum. So uh, asylum is one of those things where... It's granted by a judge. And the rule for doing asylum in the United States is you either present yourself at a port of entry and you say, I'm seeking asylum. And based on the U.S. agreement with, um, uh, what was it, the, the Geneva Convention mm -hmm. after World War II, like all asylum applicants are supposed to be treated the same. You know, courtesy, you let them in. They're, they're supposed to be refugees from other countries. And if you present yourself for asylum, you're supposed to go through the process and then you become an asylum applicant. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing you can do is you can enter the United States either legally or illegally. And within your first year inside the United States, you're allowed to apply for asylum. For asylum. I actually know somebody from Venezuela who entered the United States legally, but as soon as she got here, she applied for asylum um, shortly after landing in the United States. Mm. And the thing with, the, with, the, with asylum is you're an applicant and you're eligible for a lot of different things, but you're not exactly assured to get asylum um, a judge has to find that returning to your country would be life-threatening somehow or, or, or there's a good reason why you're this refugee from another country and if you can't prove that to a judge then your application for asylum is denied and then they ask you to leave the country. They always start out by nicely asking you to leave the country, as long as you're not a drug trafficker or, or some other kind of um, really bad criminal. Immigration usually asks nicely for you to leave the country first before they actually go into deportation. And the thing with asylum is it's 
it depends a lot on your circumstances and what country you're from. Uh, you use the example of Mexico. Um, I have met a lot of people from Mexico that try to seek, seek asylum. Um, but unfortunately, they don't have a lot of evidence that shows that life in Mexico is completely terrible yeah. and justifies their application. So a lot of them get denied. Um, I do know someone who, who is from Mexico and he applied for asylum, um, but because he's gay, he was actually able to use that and he got his asylum application approved. That's one of the, the few people that I'm aware of mm-hmm. that have actually been successful at it. And now he's a citizen of the United States. You know, a little success story. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, where that or that actually worked out for him. Um, so it's, there's a whole lot of information <laughs> that can go into asylum. Yeah. Um, as far as, as benefits and what that means and what countries it's successful with, but I don't know if you want to touch on that later or not. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask about, um, uh, I guess, I guess one of the things you just mentioned was, um, he, he meant he, uh, this person you were helping mentioned their sexual orientation and that got them, uh, that got them, uh, their asylum granted. Um, is there a, how does proving sexual orientation, um, come about? Like, what is it just, Hey, uh, uh, I'm I'm gay and they're like all right cool well you're in uh, or is there or is there some I guess some checking in a way like how how does that work? Uh, well, that kind of depends up to your attorney mm-hmm. and the judge. Um, this I'm not a hundred percent familiar um, with this guy's um, case. Mm-hmm. I just. Um, actually, I helped him with uh, with his citizenship, um, which which is why which is why I know about it. But um, he, um, well, for something um, like asylum, one of the things is um, you have to prove that you're part of a group um, that's targeted. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you have to find, and usually what they try to do is they try to find something from, in this case, Mexico that shows how in Mexico people who are are, are gay or, or lesbian or part of the LGBTQ community are targeted because of their sexual orientation. Hmm. And they use whatever they decide they're going to use. And then after that, it's just kind of proving that this person is part of that that group. Um, however, they do it. I mean, I'm, I I don't know I don't know that part of his case, so I don't know if if there was like a previous marriage <laughs> to a man that that yeah. helped display that, or or if um, you know social social media can can play a part in that, or or just. Um, personal statements and everything else and, and swearing or swearing before a judge saying that, that everything you say is accurate and that you're not lying. Um, those are all possibilities that, that could be used. 
I'm not sure what was used specifically in his case. So they, they kind of look at the, oh, what's the word? The, um, the evidence you can't argue that exists versus yeah. subjective and objective evidence. Yeah. Is what, is what the, uh, they look at and is what's listed, um, by immigration, um, in some of their information about asylum. Uh, one of the things you had mentioned was um, DACA in terms of um, not, was it not being the friendliest uh, in California? Was that correct? Um, I believe you said that. I said <laughs> that. Um, but I think it, I think it also stems from a misunderstanding. Okay. Um, at the, at the time we were talking about, um, how people that are on DACA can't get like food stamps. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's but, what um, Okay. So, <laughs> um, DACA, or California is actually very friendly to DACA recipients just mm-hmm. because we have so many people that have DACA. Right. And not all of them come from Mexico. Um, the majority of the people I help with DACA do come from Mexico, but I have helped people that have come from El Salvador. And there's people that come from Canada or the Caribbean or, or Africa or, or other countries that do have DACA. Um, but just in California, the majority of them are from Mexico. Um, I, I believe a few years back, I actually looked at the statistics that's on the immigration website about that, just because I'm a nerd that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, California is is a state that, that is so that has such a long history with with immigration. Whether it's the fact that we border Mexico, or that we actually had Angel Island here in the San Francisco Bay that was used as a screening center for immigrants that were coming through um, from, from Asia. Uh, California has a long history with, with immigrants and immigration. Um, not all of it's good. Um, there's definitely a lot of not so nice parts in history. And, and because of that, we are um, very ex- accepting and I want to say knowledgeable about things like data. Um, I know I know someone who had DACA and they went to school in I think it was Iowa, Ohio, one of those flyover states that I'm not 100 percent familiar with. Um, he had to he had to try to explain what DACA was and why he had a permit mm. and what it meant to have a work permit and how come his social security card was stamped for valid for work authorization only and how that was a legal document issued by the social security administration. And, and he had all these problems because he went to a state that had no idea really what, what DACA was wow. and they made things so hard for him. And, and I, you know, I, I, I helped, I helped out this person by saying like, Hey, um, like these are valid, work documents and that's why you got accepted to the school fortunately the school was used to dealing with um, like student visas and things like that so they're a little bit more up on what it is but outside of the school like no one knew 
what those papers were and what they meant. So they all thought it was fake documents. And I had to explain that, you know, if you do the, the I-9, your employer does an I-9 verification, it's going to verify that these documents are are real, that your identity checks out and you have the have the option for that. And, and you know, you got to remind them that, that it's illegal not to hire you because they don't understand (laughs) what what it is and and here's all the forms that say this from the actual different you know department of labor and and immigration and this and that (laughs) you know here's the forms that say all this stuff and you know for because because other than doing that like you got to start suing people and going to court and and I mean, who has the money and time for that stuff? Right. That's, that's, a, that's an uphill battle, and it's long, and it's hard. And he's just looking for a job to help him pay <laughs> for bills and rent while he's at school. So so in that respect, California is really friendly um, to people that have DACA just because we're so used to seeing all these different formats and, and California has a lot of like people that that know what the Department of Labor requires for work authorization and stuff, and they they're usually pretty good at spreading that information. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's pretty friendly. Um, what I believe one of the things we're talking about is um, uh, federal benefits in relation to specifically to people that have DACA, yeah. and that's things like like stamps and grants and medical and whatnot and and if any of those programs are federal programs um if you have daca you don't have the ability to um apply for those programs if you need to because you don't meet meet the qualifications Mm -hmm. and usually the qualifications are you are a U.S. citizen, or you had your residency for more than five years, or you meet one of the other exceptions, such as people with asylum, or an appending asylum application. It can meet those exceptions. Hmm. Um, there's also a few other special groups that do. Um, so they can apply for those federal programs, and that's across the United States. But then you have... Um, state state unemployment programs, mm. um, state food benefit programs, um, things like that. And those are based on the rules of the state. Mm. And each state gets to decide what they want those rules to be. So um, a good example is your driver's license. Mm. That is issued to you by the state. So states like California... And New York will, will give people uh, a driver's license um, based on expiration date varies based on what your current immigration status is, but but you can get one. Mm-hmm. Usually, you have to renew it a lot more often, <laughs> but if you don't uh, if you don't have any immigration status, but you're allowed to get one. And that's a huge benefit when you're when you're working that you have that 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 legal ID that authorization to drive, um, that can be huge. Um, yeah. In other states, 
like in the South, you can't get a driver's license. You have to be a resident. You have to be a citizen or you have to be one of those other federal exceptions to get a driver's license. And in, in that way, California is actually very friendly to people that are part of DACA or other immigration programs, whereas other states aren't. And then um, a lot of food programs that are, that are local, um, they kind of set their own rules too. And, and in California, they, some do have rules about what your immigration status is. Others don't. Um, back in, I was trying to, I was trying to do some research on this and it was sometime in the eighties, the mid eighties, um, the federal government was actually a lot less strict Mm. on this stuff. And if you didn't have papers, you could apply for, for things like food stamps or, or whatever, any, any need based federal program. Um, but then they, they changed a lot of it in the 80s. Um, but that's also when they were changing a lot of uh, immigration rules and policies and, and the way they did things and, and doing programs and getting rid of old programs and, and all this other stuff. All that, all that kind of tied in together. And then again in, what was it, 90, I think it was 96 I was reading. Uh, they changed everything again and it did become a lot more stricter and it became a lot more consistent throughout the united states um actually think i had that saved and it looks like that article closed on me so i wasn't able to pull it up the way i want to yeah no um, but around 90, around 96, a lot of those programs became a lot more stricter again and uniform. And, and I think it was a lot of people that, that remember how things were in the eighties where, where you, you would hear the argument with the, you know, the, with all these illegal immigrants are, are taking my benefits. Well, ever since 96, they definitely have not been. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be a citizen. You have to have a social security card. You have to go to these agencies and show all these documents and prove that you do qualify. So they're not getting food stamps. They're not getting um, housing assistance. They're, they're not getting cash aid. Um, there are some exceptions uh, I was reading. Public education uh, apparently was a hotly debated uh, topic in regards to that, mm-hmm. um, where they thought immigration, your immigration status should actually um, play a part in whether you got to go to public school or not. Mm. And uh, eventually, the, the majority of people believe that, you know, children shouldn't have to um, pay the consequences uh, of something that was kind of beyond their control. Yeah. And eventually they decide, oh, you know what? Public education is going to be for, for everybody who's inside the United States, regardless of their immigration status. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I, I can't imagine um, a world or even, even California where the people without um, residency or citizenship wouldn't be allowed to go to, to school. Right. I mean, I think, I think based on that, it's kind of where Obama was, his heart, of course, you know, I'm totally making, not really making this up, but I have no firsthand knowledge of this, but, but I feel like that's where Obama's heart was at mm. when he created the DACA program is like, it's not these kids fault as they came into the country without a passport or, or any legal way as it were. Mm. Um, because a lot of people had no legal way to come into the United States. Yeah. I mean, if they kind of going backtracking to, to what you asked me about your, your hypothetical, the hypothetical person in Mexico trying to come to the United States, yeah. like if they can't get that tourist visa, if they don't have a relative, if they're not going to apply for asylum and risk presenting themselves at court and doing all that stuff or, you know, you don't have a legal way to get into the United States. Yeah. You can't, you can't just, I mean, a lot of people go and say, you have to do it the right way, do it the legal way. Well, that person that we talked about doesn't qualify for any of those things. They don't have a legal way yeah. to come into the United States. Just based on, on the rules and the laws that, that we have today. You know, of course, this has changed over time and there'll probably be more changes in the future, but that is the reality of today and that's that's what a lot of people don't understand is they don't have that legal way they're they're not taking all your food stamp money <laughs> they, they don't they don't qualify for that um one thing that people do confuse in regards to that is if there are parents that don't have papers but they they have a family they have two kids and these kids were born in the United States. These kids are U.S. citizens. Um, if the parents financially don't make enough money, they can apply for food stamps for their kids. Because you're a child and you're under 18, you don't have the ability to have your own card. Yeah. Your parent holds it for you. So the parent is assigned the food stamps for the kids. And the way that it's calculated is the parents are completely left out of the calculation. You know, this, this, what normally, if everybody was a U.S. citizen and be a family of four, it's now a family of two. So they're mm. only the kids that are getting benefits. And you're supposed to be using these benefits to make sure the kids don't go hungry. And that's also how the kids will get um, Medi-Cal health insurance um, when, when the parents, you know, can't get a job that's health insurance or, you know, they, they can't pay the 200, 300, $95 a month, whatever it is for covered California. Yeah. And, you know, but, but these kids do qualify as, as U.S. citizens for these benefits. It's just the parents helping them get it. The parents aren't receiving the benefits themselves. It's, it's for the kids. And that, that's also something that a lot of people get confused on. There's a there's two things that, that there's two things that upset me uh, when when I just think about all of this. The the first is um, 
there's there's always this kind of thing that I hear uh, various people um, say, like, um, you know, um, wait your turn, you know, um, uh, get in line and wait your turn. And it, it, it seems like while there are ways to get in uh, that, um, you know, quote unquote, the right way, um, it almost seems like that there there is no indication of where the line uh, starts and and you know like where the end is so I can you know as as uh, as someone who is in Mexico for example that wants to come in uh, it, it almost seems like there is no line it feels like there's there's all these loopholes and while there is a possibility of coming in uh, I guess the right way it almost feels like for those that have no other choice that are either seeking asylum or either um, seeking a better life or anything like that, it almost feels like their choice at that point, their option, their, uh, as I was saying earlier, path of least resistance to me almost seems like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can just cross this border, you know, uh, swim this river, jump this fence, uh, uh, get inside a car of some kind and, and hide myself, whatever it may be, to just to get on this other side. Or, or- or get on a plane and overstay your tourist visa. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it, it really feels. It really feels like that's that that those are to me in a, in a time of desperation. It almost feels to me like that might be the better option to go. And and I feel like if we look at it that way, maybe we could fix whatever is broken. But I don't think that we're doing that. I feel like I feel like this DACA. Um, uh, these asylums, these uh, all these different visas and all these different steps, I feel like it is a political game being played by both sides. I feel like it's one side saying, well, we'll allow this, and then the other side saying, well, we won't allow that, but now we'll allow this. Um, Trump recently said he was going to, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, he said he was going to like uh, create a path to citizenship for all DACA, uh, all DACA people. And then, like a week later, goes like, ah, you know what? We're gonna reduce that to a year, and and, and maybe not even notify them of when they have to reapply. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just it... no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, no, what you're saying is, is is absolutely right. I mean, you know, like some people when they say get in line, well, if if you're waiting for your sister's application for your residence residency and and you're in mexico that line is 22 years long yeah that's a 22 year long wait that that if you're doing everything right and correct and proper you're in mexico waiting your turn for 22 years and that's a hard line to be in yeah i've i've recently met someone who, who um He's the wait for um, a parent who applied for their their child that's over the age of, of 21 from Mexico. That wait period is also about 22 years, give or take a month, and and that wait that wait time updates um, every month. And they they release what what month and what year and what day they're actually working on for that month. Mm-hmm. And and you know sometimes it shortens, sometimes it gets longer. But, but right now that, that waits also 22 years. And I talked to um, 
a gentleman that was like that. And he's, he's at the 20 year weight and he's like, I've been doing everything correctly. And I still got to wait two more years. I mean, this gentleman also happened to be inside of the country and, and he qualified for a program that, um, will, where his, 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 uh, entry without a passport is not going to be held against him as long as the correct paperwork is filed. Mm. Um, so he, he qualifies for that, but he still has to wait two more years for it to be his turn to apply and and that's hard i mean even even if um say say the guy who was in mexico qualified for a work visa at a farm in salinas Mm -hmm. you know he comes to the united states he's on this work visa to to go work one of the farms in salinas and he's he's been with the job he's been lucky he they kept renewing his visa he was in the united states for the same amount of time he needs to be in he was actually able to apply for for residency yay but you know he's he's got a wife in mexico so he's still gotta you know apply for her yeah meanwhile he's been gone for like two years I mean, for her to wait in line, that's, that's another two years. And she, they've already been apart for like four now. Wow. It's hard. Yeah. And you, 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 you talk about these, people talk about these lines like they're at Disneyland. Right. Like it's, and, you're waiting, yeah. and you're waiting two and a half hours for Splash Mountain. Yeah. There is, there is no two and a half hour wait with immigration. It's years. And, and, and that's just for the people that, that do have a, a so-called bind they can get into. The rest of the people go into what you were mentioning is they don't have a line to get into. Yeah. So they just enter. Boat, car, train, plane. I mean, we have a lot of people who, from Canada, from Europe, they all came in as tourists. And they decide I'm going to stay in the U.S. and I'm going to make I'm going to make my life here. I'm from a poor mining country or a mining area in in England, and I can't see in the dark, and so I can't be a miner. I have no way of supporting myself in England. Mm. But you know, here in the United States, someone thinks I'm a great writer, and I can make a life for myself here. You know, those people didn't have a line to get into. They're just trying to make it work how they can. And and not all these people are from Latin American countries. And not everybody that crosses in from Mexico is from a Latin American country. The majority of the people that come from India um, into the United States uh, illegally come in through Mexico. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes, uh, that that kind of blew my mind when I read that. Yeah, no, that is crazy. Yes. So what the what they do is they usually jump on ships and and sometimes they're in containers on a cargo ship and they get to Mexico and then they just find a coyote or pick a coyote or they they walk through themselves on foot into the United States. 
So not everybody who crosses the border from Mexico is from Mexico, Central America, South America. They could be from other countries. They just got, they just made landfall in Mexico or further south and it's coming in that way. That is crazy. Um, wow. Um, oh my God, that, that was mind blowing. Um, uh, so do you, in a sense, can they just at times just go into Mexico and then literally just walk across the border and just kind of wave wave at the uh, you know at at the whatever border crossing station and some say they're just kind of waved in? No, um, usually if you can see someone from from border patrol, they're going to stop you. They're going to detain you. They're going to try to interview. They're going to try to take your photo. They're going to try to fingerprint you. Um, how much you cool. And usually they lie to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know how like the Miranda rights, you have the right to remain silent. Yeah. And or the right to an attorney. Same, same thing applies with, uh, with immigration is you have the right not to give them all this information, including your name, your fingerprint and everything else. But a lot of times these people that, that get caught by border patrol are told, no, you have to do this or you're going to get arrested in your home country or this is going to happen to your family member here in the United States or are asking so many weird stories that make absolutely no sense from people that have been detained at the border before that that, that was the reason they were told they had to cooperate and, and do all this stuff. And, um, you know, that's just because they, they got caught by someone at Border Patrol. Or um, I guess they have a lot of drones flying over the border now at the less patrolled areas. And then they'll send out somebody in a, in a car, ideally, to try to catch people on foot. Um, but, yeah, most of the time, like, if, if you're close enough to be a border agent, you have to present your your passport or your visa or your border crossing card to be yeah. allowed in. And if you don't have one, they say, nope, bye, turn around, go back into Mexico. Uh, I I don't know why I was just playing uh, the the time. Uh, in, my, in my mind, I was playing back the, uh, um, I went to go visit my wife's, uh, we went to go visit my wife's um, family in um, in Calexico. And um, we crossed over to Mexicali to, um, uh, there's this place that has really good, uh, like uh, mariscos and 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 whatnot. So we decided to cross over, and um, um, on the way back, I don't know, I don't know if it was because we were bunched up together or like kind of like um, I don't know what that was, but you know, um, they 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 kind of stopped us and they asked us like, hey, like you know, like what's going on? We're we're just crossing back to the states, and they're like, the hell you are, you know, like like what like like what's going on? And and um, uh, they they had us go through. They checked our they checked our IDs or whatever. A lot of us got through just after they checked us and asked what we were doing. And we're like, oh, we just came to eat and we're going back. And like, All right, cool. Um, and then uh, they asked, um, I don't know if it was my wife or my sister in law, but they asked one of them like, "What's your reason for being for for being in Mexico and and and, and coming this way?" And like, she had two big bags of like mariscos and tacos and a bunch of other stuff. And she just, she just lifts them up and goes like the food. <laughs> and, and then they're like, oh, come move it along. Like, um, but I don't know why I just replayed that. Um, 
But um uh yeah, no. Um that was pretty wild though. Um um just being able to cross over like that and uh stuff that um I def- definitely have taken for granted has been the ability to do that. Uh there's a a friend of mine uh, I had him on the program. He uh, was here to talk about DACA. It was Eddie. And um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Eddie um, is someone that I, like, uh, often will, will kind of uh, have on my mind just because of his situation and also just kind of maybe how he's made me realize my ungratefulness of allowing to um, visit the motherland, quote-unquote the motherland in a sense, like, when whenever i want and you know um come and go as i please and um um yeah like uh that's that's something that i you know like um i found out through a trip we were gonna take we were uh for my bachelor party we were gonna go um we were talking about it at my apartment a couple of us and um we were talking about where we should go and we were talking about mexico and um um, I'm like, dude, that would be sick because we have um, it's Eddie, uh, my friend Luis and um, uh, Hector. We would often have what we would call Mexican night and we would go to a Mexican restaurant, have some food and have some drinks and have a good time. And um, I'm like, what better what better opportunity than to have Mexican night in Mexico? You know, like we all go and and, you know, Eddie's like, oh, I don't know, like maybe we should look at something else, maybe something here, maybe something local. Uh, how about San Diego or how about like, um, you know, a little further this way or further that way? And I was like, huh, like I'm like, dude, Mexico, we should go. Like, you know, I just I didn't know. And um, I remember I texted him that same night, like after everyone had left. And I'm like, dude, like, what's up? Like, what? Why, why wouldn't you want to go back to Mexico? And he goes like, it's not that I don't want to go. It's that I, if I go, I can't come back. And that was like the first time uh, he had told me about him being under DACA and and what that meant. And um, I felt pretty bad about just pushing the whole Mexico thing. And uh, through time, we were able to have different conversations about it. Um, I was able to know him a little bit more. And then having him on the the program as well to kind of tell his story um, made me really see how... um, how ungrateful I've been with, with the opportunities I've had with the, the ability to come and go from Mexico as I please. Um, uh, he was actually part motivation as to why I ended up applying for my Mexican citizenship, like, because I could do that. And, and, um, and rather than just sit here and not do anything about it, um, I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and, and, and apply for that because, and amongst a few other reasons, probably reason number one was because i could um and i'm like yeah i'm just gonna take advantage of that and and apply for mexican citizenship um and um yeah so it's it's been something that i i continue to play i continue to play his story um i continue to play like just how again how i can go back and forth and um even voting uh voting something that even recently he's um he actually talked to me. He actually talked me into voting this election uh, while we were here. And he didn't have this, he didn't have this like big sales pitch, like, oh, <laughs> Shark Tank. You know, I wasn't sitting there and he wasn't pitching me uh, to vote. Um, he definitely, um, he definitely understood uh, my reasonings for not voting. Um, I'm not a huge fan of anyone but Trump. Um, 
I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, um, I'd rather get the right candidate in there that's not Trump. Um, and and um, I was telling him why, and through our conversation, uh, um, reasons why I should vote uh, is because people like himself don't have a voice when it comes to voting time. They cannot walk into a booth and vote. So um, he was able to change that for me as well. Mm-hmm. What he says is very true. I mean, it's a lot of these laws are are made up based on the current administration, and Democrats want to try to find ways to to push this through. Um, a lot of, not all, a lot of Republicans tend to be like, get in line do it properly, okay, but what about the people that don't have a line to get into? Mm. What about the people that don't have a way to, to properly do this? And, and what about the people that are already here? Um, a lot of that stuff doesn't address it. And and with the current administ- current Republican viewpoint with, with DACA, as you mentioned, is their their whole perspective is what Obama did was illegal, making DACA by an executive order was illegal, should have been an act of Congress. And and because of that, we don't want any of it. Mm. And and that has led to a lot of different things with DACA. When when Obama did it, um, you know, DACA because uh, you know, they set up a bunch of rules. Um, you had to come to the United States before your 16th birthday. You had to be under 31 by June 15th, 2012. You have been in the United States con- con- continuously since June 15th, excuse me, 2007. Um, you were in the United States specifically on June 15th, 2012, when you applied for DACA that you didn't have any status before June 15, 2012. There, there's all these rules. Um, you also have to have no, no criminal history, um, no significant um, misdemeanors. And, and significant is up to interpretation between immigration and, and honestly, whoever looks at your, your DACA packet. Mm. Um, but one of the things it definitely includes is if you got a DUI, you don't have your DACA anymore. It goes wow. away. Yeah. Because you had a DUI. And I have seen that happen to so many kids. You know, they're just being young and carefree and and they forgot. You know, they weren't like your your friend Eddie who had that on his mind. You know, they, they forgot that a DUI means they don't get their DACA anymore. I mean, of course, there's other things that you can do if, if you get, if people that have DACA get themselves into that situation. But that's one of the things that, that has your DACA taken away or, or not allowed you to, to apply for it. But Obama made all these rules, right? And, and people who actually got their DACA before they turned 18 got a three-year card because they were a minor. Mm-hmm. I think that was the the rationale. I saw so many three-year three-year cards for people that had it before they, they turned 18. Mm. And then when they renewed, it was two years. Um, I saw a few people who, who uh, when they got their card, um, 
they actually had it for one year. There, there's a period there where, where things were a little bit weird um, with what, how immigration was processing everything that, that Obama put into effect. And, but generally you had your data every two years, you'd renew it six months before it expired. Immigration sent you a letter that said, Hey, your data is going to expire. You better go renew it. They also had the ability for, um, advanced parole. Mm. And what that is, is you apply for this travel document, advanced parole document to leave the United States. And possibly be allowed to come back. The thing with that is, is it's not a guarantee they're going to let you back into the United States. Wait, so, so you can you can you could, apply for this uh, and go. You could get it. Yeah. Yeah, you could apply for it. You could get it. You leave the United States, but when you come back in, either at the border or at an airport, immigration is not guaranteed to let you in. Wow. That's what that's one of the fine prints in that document. And during Obama that wasn't that wasn't really exercised unless they thought you were like drug trafficking or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um but but with um people in other immigration programs that get that travel permit um during Trump have been that I've talked to have gotten thoroughly questioned when they come back into the United States to see if they suspect anything sketchy and then say, Nope, we're not going to let you back in. Um, but that was, but that was something that you could do under, um, under Obama and, you know, his president got reelected. It was great, but you know, Obama's turn is done. Trump gets reelected. So he got sworn in in, January and DACA, a lot of talk. What can I do? Like the first few months, he was really focused on other parts of his uh, his campaign, his uh, area, whatever he was doing. <laughs> then, whatever executive orders he was signing at the beginning of his presidency, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember that at all, but it was like every other day there was a new executive order he was signing. Mm. Um, but in uh, what was it, September of 2016, September after he became president, um, immigration put out a thing where they said DACA's canceled. This is a summary. DACA's been canceled. That's it. Huh. You have you have 30 days. We will still accept applications for for renewals. For the next 30 days but that's it it's gone wow and you know it's, it's just a little blurb on the immigration website and that's, that's really and it, it goes into explanations and, and a whole bunch of like legal jargon and whatnot but but that's but that's essentially what it says and then um a whole bunch of people got upset because, you know, a lot of people that have DACA, they, they might work at McDonald's. They might work for the city government. They might be a doctor or a nurse at the hospital. They could be an electrical engineer for Lockheed Martin. I mean, people that have, have DACA, I mean, they could work for anybody. They could be part of religious organizations, political organizations. 
they they could be extremely knowledgeable making six figures a year or they could just be like every other you know person that's part of this country like there is no stereotypical that the recipient but they do have a few things in common and that's why they're able to apply for this program and and because there's so many of these kids in so many different fields and and so many of them were doing so many good things too a lot of people started finding lawsuits and and the big lawsuit was um i think it's like the trustees of the uc system of california or something it's got california uc and trustees in it they they filed the case that that one in in the ninth circuit california and washington and, and oregon you know the our area of the court system. And that's the one that went to um, the Supreme Court because they were trying to say, no, keep that though. Like, this is good. This, this isn't illegal. Like, it does all these great things. Um, a little known fact about that though is that it's actually the only program with immigration that completely funds itself. Hmm. So when you apply for your renewal, right now you have to pay $495 for a new card and your new work permit. And that pays for everything that the government has to do. There is no additional funding that is given to the DACA program in order for immigration to process it. So, but still, you know, people wanted to get rid of it and a lot of people were fighting against it and eventually it went to the Supreme Court. But because it went to the Supreme Court and there was an emergency injunction, um, Immigration said, fine, we are going to allow, uh, it was, I, I believe it was a couple weeks after that 30-day deadline of everybody hurrying up trying to renew their DACA cards. I believe it was a couple weeks after that where they said, you know what, maybe, maybe too much. We're going to let people continue to renew things, but we're not going to let you apply for travel documents. And we're not going to accept any new people that, that just turned 16 and qualified to file for DACA. So we were there for a really long time with Trump. And then, what was it? March? February? Sometime this year. <laughs> so this has been a crazy year, so so many things have happened. But I believe it was sometime at the beginning of this year the Supreme Court made the ruling on DACA. And essentially they said, you know what, the government's argument for, for um, canceling DACA um, is not good enough. They didn't follow the procedures they were supposed to follow. So they can't cancel DACA. And you have to put it back to how it was. Well, woohoo, great, right? You think this is a good thing. The next day on the immigration website, a little blurb, uh, I believe they call it a, a, a memorandum, um, says, you know what? We think the Supreme Court ruling is illegal. We're not going to listen to the Supreme Court, mm. but we're not going to do that. And this is, the, as far as I know, this is the first time 
that anyone's really gone against the Supreme Court. The Supreme yeah. Court's the highest court in the land, yeah. or in the United States. There's nothing bigger than that. You know, like, the Supreme Court has made so many decisions about so many different things. But nope. On the immigration website, they said, nope, we're not doing that anymore. Well, another thing that changed when uh, when Trump became uh, president is they stopped sending out some reminder notices that you had to renew your DACA. So a lot of a lot of uh, you know people that had it forgot to check the expiration date on their their work permits, and sometimes they would expire. But fortunately, you were still allowed to renew even if uh, your your work permit expired. But but this is uh, uh, the thing: if your work permit expires, your boss can fire you because legally you've lost the ability. You, you no longer meet the requirements of being allowed to work because you let your car get fired. So they're allowed to fire you. Yeah. So so that was also another problem that was that was caused by Trump because they stopped sending those reminder notices and they didn't even talk about not sending those reminder notices. And then I wanna say I think I saw on here July twenty eighth, um, they made another uh, immigration, you know, under under Trump. Because he picked the guy, um, I believe, I think actually up until this week, he was only the acting director of uh, Homeland Security. Um, but, uh, but they said, you know what, we are going to change it. So instead of a two-year renewal card, you get a one-year renewal card. So now all these people that are paying 400 you know, for the past two years or three years, four, I believe, been four hundred and ninety five dollars to renew. They're paying it every two years. Now they're paying it they're they're being told they're gonna to have to pay it every five years. Wow. So, you know, for some people for you know, those those people that get that done, they're just going to school. You know, they're just trying to go to school and support themselves and if they live in an area like California, rent's not cheap. It's hard. You know, yeah. five hundred bucks is a lot of money. And that doesn't even include if the person helping you do the papers is charging you. There's some nonprofits that, that will do these papers for free. Um, uh, but there's also a lot of nonprofits that interestingly enough charge a lot of money for these papers. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you can also go to an immigration consultant such as myself or, or an attorney to do this. Um, uh, one of the problems I specifically with DACA and a nonprofit is the people that work at the nonprofits aren't required to to have any kind of license or certifications or anything to do this immigration work. So they don't really know what they're doing and they make a lot of mistakes. Um, one case I ended up fixing was they were not sending every paper that you needed to send. And they kept getting a rejection notice. Hmm. We are missing these pages. Send these pages. The girl who was working with the nonprofit did it three times. So over a period of four months, she was trying to review, but the people that were helping her weren't sending everything. So it kept getting sent back. And then she finally came to me. And I was like, well, <laughs> it says it right here. <laughs> Where's the rest of these pages? Well, I don't know. 
okay, <laughs> well, I can help you out <laughs> if you want. This is, this is, you know, this is what we need. This is how I can help you. You know, do you want to do it? Yes or no? And, you know, she said yes. I helped her out. She got her, she got her card renewed without, without any additional issues. But, you know, with, without getting those reminder notices, like stuff like that happened and, and there are problems and it could be really hard. And then um, this Monday, so two days ago, immigration sent out another memorandum regarding DACA. Yeah. Um, They said, yes, we are only going to do it for for one more week, or sorry, one more year. Um, And... But we are go- we are not going to allow any new um, people trying to apply because now they qualify for DACA. We're not going to accept those applications. And if you sent us anything, we're just going to reject it and send it back to you. Because, you know, a lot of people thought, hey, the Supreme Court says we can do this now, so let's do it. But immigration saying no. And, and they made another release on, on Monday reaffirming that. Um, but they did say that they were going to allow, uh, advanced parole for people that have DACA. So they did say that they were going to bring that back, but, and I'm reading it off the website here. Um, it's for specific situations such as travel to support the national security interests of the United States. Travel to support U.S. federal law enforcement interests. Travel to obtain life-sustaining medical treatment that is not otherwise available to the alien in the United States, or travel needed to support the immediate safety, well-being, or care of an immediate relative, particularly minor children of the alien. Hmm. So So those first two things. Do you think they're going to apply to a lot of people? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if we're not talking about you have citizenship, residency, DACA, anything, there's not going to be a lot of people that that's ever going to apply to. No. And then the third one, you know, medical, life-sustaining medical treatment that's not available in the United States. Again, do you think well, what treatment isn't available here? Well, I mean, I've heard of I've heard of um, cancer um, cancer treatments that are available in Cuba yeah. that aren't available in the United States. Yeah, like Germany or, or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then, and then again, this is me just thinking out loud. Like, how do you know if that's really a life sustaining medical treatment, or if that's just you know? An experimentation, mm. <laughs> and again, you know, you're 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 sending this information to immigration, and they're making that decision whether they agree or not. And and so, you know, those first two points are kind of like, well, no, that doesn't really apply. The only thing that really applies is, is this last one what about the the support for the safety, well being. Or the care of an immediate relative, and that's and that's really why a lot of people that have um, DACA will will apply for these uh, for the advanced parole is is because they they possibly qualify under that humanitarian reason. 
but then there's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to prove and submit and everything else, you know, for to help immigration agree with you on that case. Um, it used to say things like ed- education and um, work, but really, if if you're taking a semester abroad because you want to go study in Paris. Do you really think immigration is going to say yes? That's to our benefit. Mm-mm. Yeah. The only time I've seen that accepted was because they're in like a doctoral program, working with some like well-known like Doctor Doctor Fauci with some the AIDS epidemic studying with whatever in in Africa, and and they wanted to go to um, I don't know somewhere. Let's just say Sudan. We're, we're just making up countries for this example. Um, they want to go to Sudan for to finish the research to help find a life-saving cure because it's part of his doctoral thesis. That's the kind of stuff that usually got approval for for education. Um, for work, like I know people that were like, "Hey, there's going to be a conference in Costa Rica." And I could go to this conference in Costa Rica. That would be awesome. Do I? I'm going to try to apply for this this travel permit. I mean, do you think immigration is really going to let you <laughs> go to Costa Rica for for a conference? <laughs> Not a chance. Yeah. Again, that I know someone who was an engineer at. Um, Actually, I know of someone who was an engineer. I don't. I don't know if it was like Chevron or or um, uh, one of the one Shell or one of the oil companies. He was way up, super high level engineer with one of the oil companies, and they were doing some work in Venezuela. They needed him to be there. There was no alternative. There was nobody else in the company they could send. He was the only person who could do what the company needed in Venezuela, and this is a U.S.-based company that has a lot of that has a lot of interest in the U.S. Yeah. He he's the only person I've heard of that has gotten the travel permit for a work reason. Wow. Like the stuff is amazing. Yeah, no, that's crazy. So according to immigration. That got brought back starting Monday. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a bunch of there's a bunch of court cases again saying, Hey immigration, the Supreme Court said what you're doing is illegal and you have to put DACA back to the way it was when Obama was president. So you're not doing that. You gotta go listen. So who knows what's gonna happen? with DACA in between now and November or now and next year, January. Because a different administration, a different president means someone different is going to be in charge of immigration. And I mean, even if say, who was it? Joe Jorgensen, I think is running for like the green, the green party, liberal party, liberal party. So, it's not even a Democrat versus Republican. It's, you know, she, if she became president, mm-hmm. 
And she put someone new in charge of Homeland Security. And we have new directors of, of immigration. They're probably going to listen to what the Supreme Court has already said needs to be done. I mean, I imagine if, if another Republican candidate who, who wasn't Trump was running would also get to a point where, well, you know what? The Supreme Court kind of made their decision. We're going to do what they said. We tried to argue. We lost. We're going to listen. So I imagine if someone else becomes president, they'd try to bring it back. But this doesn't guarantee you that they're going to change it from every one year back to every two years. Mm. And, and and maybe they're going to do add different things that you need to, to prove. Or maybe they're going to change the forms entirely. Maybe they're going to increase how much you have to pay immigration by 100, 200, whatever amount of dollars. I mean, there's a lot of maybes. There's a lot of uncertainties. Do you think under... And, and, uh, do you think under Trump, uh, sorry, no, uh, do you think under Trump uh, in a re-election, is DACA as a whole in danger? Or um, what are your thoughts on, on, on four more years of Trump and, and this DACA program? Um, I think if he got reelected, he might keep the renewals. He might keep the 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 advanced parole. I think that's a good chance of staying as is with the renewals only being at one year, mm -hmm. just because this is the second time in the last two months they've they've made that announcement or kind of dug in their heels. Um. I think he would change the forms all over again. And I think he would add an increase of two to $300 more each renewal period. And, and one of the reasons I think that is because a couple months back, immigration announced their, their fee change. And that goes into effect, um, I, I believe it's October 2nd. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the forms, um, the, most of the forms, the prices changed. Um, a few forms actually went down for the first time in um, 50 years. <laughs> um, but the majority of them went up. And and I imagine with, with how much the Trump has actually actively tried to get rid of DACA, he would try to increase the money just because they're allowed to and they can. And they haven't yet. They specifically put that aside. So I think he'd go back to, to trying to get rid of it entirely. Huh. As much as he can. <laughs> and, until somebody, um, I guess the next option is being held in contempt of court with the Supreme Court. Um, I, I also looked this up. This had been done once before. Um I forget. It was an actual person, and and this, the the attorney general had to get involved. I don't really know how that would work out since the the current attorney general is, is so buddy buddy with Trump and and always takes his side and, and backs him up with everything. Um, how that I don't really see that happening. So I I, I really 
don't know how any of that would happen if there was four more years of Trump because our policies and and the laws and the way every all this stuff is supposed to happen just isn't. And, and and under anybody else, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat president, mm. stuff would have changed. Like they would have, as I said, they would have listened to Supreme Court. But but now there's a the Crown president doesn't like to do that. He if he doesn't get his way, he he tries to to dig in his heels and, and stick out as much as he can. You know, you and know, I mentioned. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, and I imagine this would flow into other other programs too, not just DACA. What's What's upsetting to me, um, and while I'm trying to prove that uh, my podcast is not strictly a sports podcast, um, I'm actually working on that right now to 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 um, clearly define when it's a sports podcast, when it's not. Um, making some changes coming soon for that. Um, but, um, I, I, I often think about life and other situations and other things that go on in terms of sports. Uh, it's, it's kind of the way I think it's just kind of the way I can relate to life, uh, specifically baseball. I think baseball is out of all sports, the one that most resembles life and, um, um, uh, and what I'm trying to get at is one of the most upsetting things to me about this whole thing about immigration, whether it's through DACA, whether it's anything else, is um, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I want them to put the best players they can find, they can sign, they can trade for, they can move through their farm system and and and, and come up to the majors and, and continue to add to three titles in 10 years i i want them to continue to do that and the way they do that is they go to different countries to latin america to to asia they have a farm system here they scout all over the place they're trying to get the best players on their team and what i'm trying to get at is the united states it's like my team it's it's this is where i live uh, yes, I have a Mexican citizenship. Yes, I, ha- I come from uh, a, a, a Mexican family. Uh, yes, all these things. But at the end of the day, this country, that's my team. For better or worse, uh, in all its imperfections, and especially uh, recently, this is my team. And I want the best players possible to move society forward in medicine, in education, in law enforcement, politically, and all these other avenues uh, you're mentioning that uh, there was only one guy in the entire company that that could only that's the only person that they had that they knew could do that job. So he had to get jump through all these loopholes to to go to this other country to to do what it is he needed to do for a United States company. Um, it's just upsetting to me that we can't get to a place where like. For me, and I know this may alienate a lot of people, and this might not be a popular opinion, and I get that. But when I look at people that I want in this country, that 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 I see through DACA and all these other things, um, I, I want to see, is this guy educated? Is this girl educated? Um, do they have a full-time job? Are they a productive member of society? Do they have a clean record? Are they criminals? Okay, they are, they know they can, or whatever may be, right? 
uh, violent criminals. Um, but for the most part, like, like if for me, if I see someone that's here from whatever country it is and they're here through DACA, if I sit there and I see, well, this person, person A is is educated. Person A also has a full-time job, works here, pays this, pays his taxes, does that, does this, is been a productive member of society. All right, cool. I want him on my team right now. Like, make him, make, give him a path to citizenship. Maybe not make him a citizen right then and there. Um, if you can, great. But give him a path to citizenship. Give him more of a legal status than you already are. Um, I know this alienates a lot of people. Maybe there's people here that are through DACA that that might not be educated, might not have a full-time job, might not maybe, but I think it's a start, right? Like, I think that if we were to look at these programs or look at this and it's like, I want the most talented people to be here on my team. I don't want them anywhere else. I don't want to make it more difficult for them to stay. I want it to make it easier for them to stay because they're the ones that are going to be here working. They're the ones that are going to be here pushing society forward, um, creating uh, more opportunities, uh, uh, being able to influence others. Like, I don't understand why the problem is, well, they came here uh, illegally, they applied for this, now it's this political back and forth, we can't appear to be weak because then the other side wins, we got to win. But at the end of the day, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, like, aren't we on the same team and don't we want the best team possible? Why can't we allow some of these DACA people that are, that are educated or maybe not even educated, just a productive member of society that have done what they needed to do to be legal? Like why can't it just be that easy? And that to me is a frustrating part is I want to build a team to win. And it doesn't seem like we're doing that. That's really interesting that you bring that up because a lot of people would actually say that exists. You can do that. And, and I'll explain what, what they would mean by that. Um, so as you said, you're, you're a Giants fan. Yeah. Um, let's take Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. Where's he from? Uh, what is the Dominican Republic? I thought he was from Venezuela, but anyways. He's from another country, right? Mm-hmm. So when he first came here to try out for the the Giants, he was on one visa. Um, it's like the, the it's the same visa they give to Olympic athletes to allow them to come into the United States to participate in a specific event for a specific period of time. Mm. So you know when he came in to try out for the Giants, he came in on that visa, and then he probably left. Giants decided, hey, you know what? We want him as our third baseman. Or I can't remember what position he actually started out with, with Giants. Might have been left field. Um, but, you know, we, we actually want him to, to be on our, 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 our real roster. You know, not, not in AA or AAA or, or any of our front teams. You know, we want him in San Francisco with us. Mm. Well, then he came back, so they they did the paperwork to apply for for him as as a professional athlete, and he got his visa to come back into the United States that way. Well, immigration has a bunch of things where if you're here and you hold that visa for a certain amount of time, if you want, you're able to apply for your residency, mm. and after you've had your residency for for five years, you're allowed to apply for citizenship. So, so that's how athletes would 
be part of your team and help make a better America. As you and say. and you're, you're absolutely right. He is from Venezuela. I just yeah. I just looked at him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and then as far as you know, like engineers and whatnot. Okay, there's these there, there's work visas. Um, a lot of the tech companies in the United States um, have a lot of employees that are here on, I think it's, there's a whole bunch of different types of work visas. Um, and I don't know all the specifics on that just because it's usually done within a big company. Um, but to, to do this, you have to prove that there's no one in the United States that can do the, this job. Mm. You, there has to be job postings. You have to approve none of these people qualify, but that there is talent outside of the United States for these jobs. And once you've proved that, you're able to get these um, these work visas. Yeah. And they, um, those people then come to the United States once they've had their work visa for X amount of time. They're also allowed to apply for residency and then citizenship. Um, they also have another visa for the celebrity visa. So, like, um, um, what's his name? Um, a bunch of comedians are actually from Canada. And I can't think of a single name right now. <laughs> uh, Jim, uh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey is from Canada. Uh, Dana Carvey is from Canada. Ryan Reynolds is from Canada. There is a lot of famous people that are actually from Canada and other countries as well. So they're allowed to come in as, you know, celebrities, mm-hmm. the celebrity visa. And when they're here for a certain amount of time, they're, apply, they're allowed to apply for, for residency and then they're allowed to apply for, uh, for citizenship. Um, I believe, uh, uh, have you ever watched Trevor Noah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he talks about how he's uh, a resident a lot in his show. <laughs> so, you know, he here for, for, I don't even know if that's how he got here as, as a celebrity comedian visa or not. I mean, maybe he was able to qualify for a whole bunch of other programs. I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's an example of, of how you, you can be here and then you apply for citizenship and then we have the best actress. There's also this other visa that's for like specialty um, specialty occupations, and and it involves like five different occupations. I don't really remember all the details for this one, but one of those occupations is nurses. You can get a visa, or you can get this visa, come to the United States, be here for X amount of time get your residency, and then apply for citizenship. So so I'm not saying I disagree with you, mm-hmm. but there is an avenue for that. Mm. However, you did mention these DACA kids. Well, this is the thing. If you have DACA and say you are the next Dwayne Johnson, right? You're, you're going to be the next Dwayne Johnson. Mm. Dwayne Johnson. You want to get this other visa because it allows you, it gives you this path to citizenship. You actually have to leave the country. <laughs> so while this, you have to leave the country, once the process is finished, 
you go back to the U.S. consulate in the country you're at the country you're from. You go through the interview process, the bells and hoops and whistles and everything else. Hopefully, you still get this visa, and then you come back in under into the country under this visa. And it serves it serves a few things because it, it's the official way that they give these visas out is is from the the consulate outside of the United States inside these other countries. Um, and it also, for for example, for this this hypothetical DACA kid we're using, it now gave this DACA kid their legal entry, which they didn't, which the majority of most DACA kids um, actually don't have. There's a small handful that did enter legally, but uh, the majority of them didn't. But then you're also running into that problem of, what if I get to the consulate and they start asking me all these questions and I get nervous and I give the wrong answer and I don't get my visa? I'm now, I can't go back to the United States. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a whole lot, and this I, I'm I'm oversimplifying a, a lot of a lot of different things because, as I said in the beginning, there's there's a lot of exceptions, there's a lot of loopholes, there, there's a lot of different things that can happen and whatnot. But but this is the the general idea of how a lot of that works. Um, and if you're already in the United States, if you have a choice. Do you think most of those people want to leave and take that risk? Hmm. I mean, it's a it's a personal choice for a lot of people, but yeah. but if they're not guaranteed that the the concert's going to approve their visa, they might not take it. And it just it, it turns into I mean, there's a lot of fear involved. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to, if, if you came to the United States at, at one week old and, and you really have no ties to the country you were born in, like language, culturally, familial, if you, if you, if you don't understand any of that, how, how are you going to be in this country for for a week or two I mean if things go well and fast by yourself with and 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 still have that uncertainty that that you might not get the visa and be allowed back into the United States yeah. it's it's a scary thought for people that that don't have another option yeah definitely Man, it's just it's just tough. It's like a lot to just there's if it, it feels like it's just a never ending um battle. It feels like there's just uh you know, there's all these different things, you know, you have to all these different hoops you have to jump through, um chase a dream or just stay in the country that you know, it's all you've ever known. It's it's a lot. Uh it's definitely a lot. Um it's um it's definitely um a good um topic to just reflect personally on 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 the, the 
the privilege that I've had by, you know, being born here and, um, and not having to worry about a, a lot of these things. And, you know, I don't have to renew anything, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just here. Um, uh, and I don't know, I just, it, 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 it kind of has me reflect on just everything. Um, I've mentioned to you too, uh, about, uh, we've talked about, uh, like my mom and her story and how I want that on the podcast. And, um, uh, definitely want to get her on, uh, now more than, more than ever, really just kind of listening to, uh, to you today in this conversation and, 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 and Eddie before you, and even, uh, Tommy before him. So, um, I definitely want to say, um, I know that uh, in the grand scheme of things, we've probably just scratched the surface on on how much uh, we could really dive into and get into. Um, um, I would I wouldn't mind picking this up some you know some some somewhere down the road as far as you know uh, anything that we miss. I know I I always have like three or four follow ups after you know uh, after we're done, um, but. Um, I, I just want to say, Maria, thank you for, uh, taking time today to talk to us a little bit about this. Um, um, I definitely have learned a lot and I feel like, um, you know, um, wanting to question more things. And, um, as that comes up, um, I definitely look forward to reaching out to, uh, to you to see what else we can, we can talk about. But, um, uh, thank you for being on today. Um, I, I, I definitely, um, kept you on here for quite a while um and uh um definitely appreciate that though i'm 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 super thankful that you uh that you uh decided to talk to us today oh no problem can i can i say one thing before we wrap this up please do okay yeah so just so that everybody knows that that it, it's not all about hating trump or hating republicans or anything so i know we we touched on that that a lot um and during this time, but um, mm. it's it's not just the the, the Republicans or, or Trump that that create that makes this difficult these situations difficult. Um, the the Democrats do as well, or liberals, yeah. uh, however you want to look. At it. Absolutely. And and two examples that that I could give on that is within I believe two weeks ago on what is it now this i think on facebook um they're talking about someone who had DACA that said if trump completely ended daca she was going to get deported the next day and and that's used to to make people like really feel sorry for this girl and 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 that's just not true mm-hmm. if if your program or whatever gets terminated unless you unless you commit some kind of crime you're not going to get deported when when you're your time is up. They will ask you to leave, but you're not going to get deported that day. And even at the end of that time, you might qualify for another program. You might have other options. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe maybe there's new policies. I don't know. But but that's one thing they do. Um, another example would be with the the, the DNC last week um, when they when they were talking about their immigration stuff. Um, they had a they had a family who uh, the guy was military, and and helped for whatever reason his wife got deported. There are a lot of immigration programs for people that served in the military, programs that I know he would have qualified for, mm-hmm. and which would have meant that his wife should have should have been a resident or a citizenship. 
I mean, obviously, I don't know all the details, but assuming she didn't commit some kind of major crime or anything like that, what happened to him, how his wife got supported, and they, they now live separately, like, that shouldn't have happened. And and those examples are also used by by, by Democrats or liberals um, to to really try to work on emotion. And and as someone who who talks to a lot of people that are in these situations, it, it kind of frustrates me that that both sides play these extremes and then they just cause all that that misinformation out there. And and I try to be as, as accurate as, as I can with what immigration um, puts out there and making sure that people know, like, hey, this is what immigration is saying. This is what it is. And, and I just want people to know that. And I want to thank, thank you, too, for, for giving me that, that opportunity to, to help share some of that out there. Oh, for sure. For sure. If, uh, if there's one thing that uh, out of the many things that I, I hope to do and still hope to do with this podcast, uh, if, if it's, uh, if it's an opportunity to learn, if it's something that is of interest to me or, or really just an, you know, just an interest in general to, uh, to anybody, um, I, I, I definitely, uh, want to learn like the, I think we mentioned at the beginning too, um, you know, it's, this is not a, an, an expert's take type podcast. Like it's, 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 um, it's a lot of, I don't know. And, um, I want to talk to someone that might, or I just want to have a discussion. Um, I want to make it definitely a safe space to talk about, um, uh, anything really. And, um, this is something that, um, for various reasons I've, I've definitely had some interest in. Um, and, um, and yeah, definitely learned a lot and it just keep, it's like, uh, it's something that I think that I'll be I'll be playing back uh, for days, just kind of like um, just everything that was said and and um, how I can be a more informed, uh, you know, just a member. Uh, and and yeah, no, I want to thank you for coming on and thank you for um, kind of letting us know some some ins and outs of, of 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 what this all as far as immigration, what it really is. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for being on today. Well, you're very welcome. And like I said, thank you. All righty. We shall talk soon.